It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is almost time for game day. Welcome to Locked On Dolphins. Today is October 30th, 2020. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs. And it's almost to a time. Miami Dolphins will play the Los Angeles Rams this weekend at Hard Rock Stadium. Yours truly will be there if you are going to be there as well. Holler at me. I'd like to meet some Dolphins fans along the way. I'm getting ready to hop to the airport right now, as soon as we're done recording our Friday show. Today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Washers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch. Pepsi, made for football watching. Today's show is dedicated to the game plan to beat the Rams. What does this look like? What do specifically the Dolphins do differently that they wouldn't do with Ryan Fitzpatrick at the helm? How do they attack the Rams' offense? Lots of good questions. We're going to do our absolute best to come up with that winning formula so that Miami, man, we can ring in the Tua era the right way. I was posed an interesting question by my co-host of the Draft Dudes podcast, Joe Marino, last night. We do a show on Thursday nights on YouTube uh, called Would You Rather? And he asked me, would you rather, Tua is 11 for 24 for 150 yards, uh, throws two picks and no touchdowns, and the Dolphins win 17-13, or would you rather the Dolphins lose 35-31 and Tua is 23-28 for 320 yards, three touchdowns, and no turnovers? Man. That was a really thought-provoking hypothetical as far as what would the best outcome be this weekend between Tua performing at a high level and the Dolphins losing or Tua performing at a low level and the Dolphins winning. Anybody in the locker room, anybody in the organization is going to tell you, win. That's the best outcome. Because you can get individual performances better, but the entire objective of the game is to play and to win. And that's where my head went. That's what I would personally subscribe to because what is difficult is we do live in uh, Jordan Reed, who's one of my colleagues at the Draft Network, refers to it as a microwave society, right? If Tua comes out and he doesn't play good and we're sitting here watching Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow throw the pill around the yard for 300 yards a pop, three, four touchdowns a game, and Tua does not play to that expectation— What is the reaction from this fan gaze going to be, especially after 18 months of Tua being hailed as effectively the savior of the franchise? It's a difficult position to be in. Now, I'm not worried about Tua being able to handle that pressure because the dude is a true freshman, replaced Jalen Hurts at halftime of a national championship game 
down two scores, and they came back and won the football game, including second and 26 in overtime. I don't think you'll find a single moment that is too big for Tua Tungvaloa. I'm not worried about him. I'm not worried about his performance not being good and that being an indicator that this experiment is doomed from the start. It's a long process. The best of both worlds is Tua balls out and carries the Dolphins, or maybe not even carries the Dolphins. The Dolphins have a complete team victory and win the game against the Rams, which I think is a reasonable outcome. Is it the expected outcome? No, probably not. I think you'll find the betting odds are probably skewed heavily towards the Rams, and that's okay. But there's a couple variables at play here that I do think need to be worth discussing. One of them is the Rams' schedule. This will be the Rams are playing their eighth football game of the season. And this is the fourth East Coast trip the Rams have had to make. They've had to go to Philadelphia. They've had to go to Washington. They've had to go to Buffalo. And now they got to go to Miami. And they're in a short week this week. That is a lot of East Coast cross-country travel. And this isn't just blowing smoke like Andrew Whitworth, who's the 40-year-old stud left tackle who's you know on the the tail end of his career for the Rams he said so himself Uh, he was speaking with the Rams media and said you know I don't know who he pissed off with the schedule from the scheduling department but we gotta buy them flowers so they don't do this to the Rams again next year because it's a lot of travel recovery practice games recovery travel etc The Rams played on Monday night. And now they got their fourth West Coast trip in eight weeks. Or fourth East Coast trip in eight weeks. Don't sleep on that as a variable that's in the Dolphins' favor. Some of it, schematic advantages. A little bit of the unknown factor. Brian Flores tried to downplay the ability to install a lot of RPOs But I did think it was interesting enough that the Dolphins did do some of that against the Jets. Uh, We did not see a lot of it for like a four-week stretch. We saw it against New England in smatterings. We saw it against Buffalo in smatterings. We kind of got away from it. Saw it a couple times last time the Dolphins played against the Jets. And not when Tua was in the game either. So... Kind of some clues that this was coming once you knew what the end destination was. You know, you could have very easily said, oh, well, that's a game-by-game, week-by-week decision to have those part of the package or not. And maybe that was just a coincidence. Maybe it was. Uh, But I did see more RPO against the Jets than what I saw in the previous weeks prior. And I think that is an indication that, like, yeah, this is here in the playbook for Miami. And Brian Flores, if he's going to play the gamesmanship battle with the Rams and say, well, you know... Bye week's not really a great time to install a whole bunch of changes, so we're not really going to do a whole lot of that. You know, it's in the playbook. We have some versions of it. You'll probably see it, but I don't know about, like, overhauling the entire offense. Uh, well, you know, if this was if this was sitting on the back burner because Fitz is pre-snap RPO and too high safety we're going to give, they actually tried to run a mesh point RPO uh, post-snap against the Jets, and it was double slant. They went twins to the left. Uh, Preston Williams was on the outside. Devontae Parker was in the slot. And Fitz made the right read, but he didn't reset his feet. 
He kind of just tried to arm it out there. The ball was behind Devontae. Devontae dropped it. But there was a legit post-snap RPO run, like traditional what you'd expect to see with two in the offense. It's there. They'll use it. And that's what we're going to build the next segment around, which is offensively what the Dolphins need to do to procure this dub on Sunday. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering into the NFL, they've entered another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi's here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Our friends at Built have created a number of wonderful products. And the latest one that I'm on a big kick with is Built Go. Uh, It is built, ironically enough, uh, to help you break through your mental or physical walls every single day. It's a workout gel. It's one and a half ounce packet, fits in your back pocket. I got one in the glove box that I'm going to be taking on the drive up to the Philadelphia International Airport to fly down to the game this weekend. Uh, super convenient. You could have it anywhere you go. It's the best workout gel on the market. It's like five-hour energy without the same crash feeling, plus it's natural, so it's better for your body anyway. It comes in three delicious flavors. My personal favorite is chocolate mint, peanut butter honey, and chocolate coconut are the other two. It combines energy gel with collagen protein, which is fast-absorbing, so it gets into your system fast, and it's easier on your stomach. It's loaded with the good stuff like beta-alanine, B3, honey, and a kick of caffeine, and it's built to keep you kicking all day strong, all day long, with B6 and B12. So visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED, and you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Let's go outline this offensive game plan to beat the Rams. First and foremost... This is not going to come to a surprise uh, to anybody. You have to throw a whole bunch of stuff at Aaron Donald. Uh, Double teams, trap blocks. Now, the Dolphins don't have a lot of trap game. They've got power and lead. Um, I probably wouldn't run this gun counter that they've been doing uh, to Aaron Donald's side. So if Aaron Donald's on the right and you got Miles Gaskin set to the left of Ryan Fitzpatrick, what they'll do in this counter concept is they'll have Eric Flowers at left guard pull around. He's going to wrap or he's going to kick. He's going to kick the M-man on the line of scrimmage. So Kinley and Hunt are going to block down on the defensive tackle, climb to the, the stack linebacker. Flowers is going to pull and kick the end man on the line of scrimmage. And either Shaheen or Smythe is going to be off the ball one by one outside of the left tackle. And he is going to pull or insert, kind of like split zone. And he is going to wrap around the double from Kinley and Hunt inside of the kick block by Flowers on the pull. And he's going to lead into the hole. And the running back's track will go downhill as if it was zone. 
and then he'll peel back and get behind those two guys. What Donald has the opportunity to do if you try to run that to his side is he has the opportunity to redirect quickly, not provide surface area for the double team, get inside of Kinley, and now Flowers is going to get blown up on his pull before he can get to the end man in the line of scrimmage. It's going to stack Smythe on the insert block, and the end man on the line of scrimmage is going to come clean. He's going to clean your running back's clock. I would expect more duo, which is an inside concept. I would expect more inside zone against the Rams. I don't think you can do a lot of the pulling concepts because even if you run the counter away from Donald and Kinley's the one who pulls, Aaron Donald will beat him to the spot because defensive tackles are taught if the offensive lineman in front of you pulls, don't get too much depth, but follow him down the line of scrimmage. He's going to take you to the ball. So I really don't like the idea of a lot of pull concepts this week. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But depending on, you know, where Aaron Donald's at, if he's at a traditional three-tech alignment, man, you run it to him, you run it away from him, you're you're setting yourself up for some negative plays, in my opinion. So I would stick with duo and zone where you're just true double teams. Um, I think they need to move Devontae Parker around in this game, and I don't mean like put him outside on both sides of the the ball, put him in the slot. I mean like you have to move him at the snap. Jalen Ramsey, according to Next Gen Stats, has aligned in the slot for 20% of his snaps thus far this season. That's a big number. So they're willing to take him and put him inside if it's beneficial to the game plan for their defense. I would expect Ramsey's going to mirror Parker. So what, how you have to counter that is I want to see opportunities for Devante to be moving at the snap, whether it's a little short motion where he's off the ball or if you want to run him straight across the set and snap it while he's either just passing the center or getting out past the tackle. So he has momentum at the snap and is already running away from the leverage of Jalen Ramsey. Because I don't think this is an opportunity for the Dolphins to just completely and totally neglect and ignore Devontae Parker's existence. I think you have to get him involved, but how do you do that? And that, for me, motion, which the Dolphins don't do a lot of. They are 30th in the NFL in motion at the snap frequency. They're a very static offense in that regard. They have some motion, some tells, whether it's that little yo-yo motion that they run with the tight end where he'll come halfway across the set and come back. They'll, put, they'll go empty and put the running back out wide and bring him back into the backfield, regardless of what it is. The Dolphins have movement, but it's not typically at the snap. So either you're going to have to have everybody else step up big time, or you're going to have to find creative ways to ensure that Devontae is getting clean off his release and motion at the snap is one way to do that. The other thing that stands out to me is something that the Dolphins should do, in, in my eyes, is attack the safeties. Uh, the Rams are young. They got John Johnson, who's a really good player, at one of the safety spots. They have Taylor Rapp at another of the safety spots, who's a young player, second-year player. But Rapp was getting 
passed by both Jordan Fuller's sixth-round rookie and Terrell Burgess for some reps. And both of those two players are not going to play this weekend. They're both on IR. So from the Dolphins' perspective, I think it makes all the sense in the world to attack those replacement players. And if the Rams aren't going to change their personnel, they're going to try and stay in more like true base. Spread the hell out of them and force them into that conflict and making that decision to openly say, okay, we are going to try to stay in base, but they're going to stretch us out. So now we've got maybe our best, pure best players on the field, but not in positions to win. So find out what that riddle is and push that button. Dolphins did a good job of that against San Francisco. They found cornerback Brian Allen, who was like a third-string corner, in coverage a lot. Let's find out who's playing these roles that are typically reserved for Burgess and Fuller, and let's go attack those players. That's the offensive game plan that makes the most sense for me. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Defensively, how do the Dolphins attack the Rams? I think it starts up front. I think the Dolphins do have a personnel advantage up front. The Rams are uh, quite potent. Running the football, the Dolphins have not been a very good team stopping the run. Uh, But with that said, the Dolphins have improved as the season has gone along with their efforts to be a more stout run defense. They obviously got shredded by New England week one, and it is what it is. But I thought outside of the one run up the sideline for Raheem Mostert, they did a strong job defending the run against San Francisco. San Francisco had 131 yards rushing, It's not a great number, but they had 259 total yards. Jacksonville had 72. Seattle had 98. Bills and Jets, 112-115. These are not bad numbers as far as pure volume. The Rams are uh, very good running the football. Uh, Daryl Henderson has looked very, very good. They've had one game this season with less than 100 yards of rushing, and it came against the New York Giants. And that's where I look at what the Dolphins can do, and I say, aha. Because the Giants, their roster is bad, but they have one good spot on the defense, and it's their interior defensive lineman. They got a lot of hog mollies in there, as Giants GM Dave Gettleman would put it. So control those gaps. Don't let them string you out, right? They they do run a lot of wide zone. Uh, they do run and try to press and cut off of uneven levels. So everybody's going to have to stay in their gap assignment. Everybody's going to have to string and flow with the football so that when the back decides he wants to press up into your gap, you are available to get a body part on him and wrap him up. 
That for me is the first thing. And if the Dolphins can get into successful third and long situations, I think that's critical. So the Rams have not had a lot of pure offensive explosions from a yardage perspective passing the ball either. They had 211 against the Bears. They had 198 against San Francisco. They had 182 against the Giants. So in their past month, the entire month of October, they played four football games. Jared Goff and the Rams' passing offense surpassed 300 yards once, and it was 300 on the dot against Washington. They only surpassed 215 passing yards once, and it was against Washington. This team has also had a turnover in every single game this season. Every single game, at least one turnover. So, opportunistic, get them in third and long by playing gap control and controlling the line of scrimmage, and throw the kitchen sink at Jared Goff. Jared Goff is really sharp when everything is is crisp pre-snap and they can keep you off balance. But if you force him into drop-back situations, they're going to try and screen you. So you, I, I think, you know, having some firm presence in the slot or in the, in the flats on third downs with some zones sprinkled in is important uh, so that you can see those plays developing and beat those blockers to the spot. Eye discipline is obviously big, but I think the two big things are control line of scrimmage with gap control. Don't try and get too far into the backfield because when you do, you create those uneven levels. That's when they're going to pop runs on you. Play in the face. I think physically speaking, we are talented enough in the secondary to compete with what the Rams have at wide receiver. Force Jared Goff to beat you down the field on third and longs when you bring pressure in his face. That, my friends, is my blueprint to defeating the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday at Hard Rock Stadium. Travel advantage, Dolphins' favor. Health advantage and rest, Dolphins' favor. The Rams have the two best football players in the game between the Dolphins and Rams, not in the entire NFL, but the two best pure football players in this game are Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. It's okay. It's a team game. Takes all 11 on all three units, offense, defense, and special teams to get it done. And I think there's enough variables in the Dolphins' favor. I think they have strengths in the right kinds of spots. You've got the unknown component of Tua Tunga-Vailoa starting as the quarterback. If Tua is who we think he is, give me Dolphins' dub this weekend. I'll say... 27-21 first squeaker dramatic win of the season. That's where my money's at. We'll find out on Sunday. Kyle Krabs, Locked On Dolphins. Thanks, as always, for listening to the show. I hope you guys enjoyed. Fins up. Keep it locked in right here this weekend. And I'll talk to you guys again on Monday. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. 
Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.